Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our very understaffed podcast this week. Fortunately, we have the very creme de la creme of the A-team here today. Never mind those bystanders who, uh, you know, take time off and uh, no-shows and all sorts of things. I have with me here a man who uh, is no doubt looking gleefully towards tomorrow night. Uh, Messenger? Oh, all you need is me, mate. All you need is me. Now, we don't have to talk about Marcus Bontempelli tonight, do we? <laughs> that's, that's right. No, no Bonting, no whatever his bonting. name is. Yeah, we don't have to bont. <laughs> don't have to hear about Fife and, he, you know, Seppo's life-size posters of him. Oh, well, I, yeah, I hear he might be uh, out this Saturday. He might have, uh, might have pulled a bangle or <laughs> whatever, whatever he may have hurt. Hair extension might have gone awry or something. Broke a fingernail. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> So who knows? I mean, maybe that's where Seppo is, you know, maintaining a vigil by his hairdresser or something. Oh, he'll be getting the banner ready <laughs> for the um, before the he would, apparently has been vetoed on the banner headline, which just says, "I love you, Nat. Have my babby." <laughs> oh, form babby with me, Nat. <laughs> so, with the two of us here, it's uh, going to be a very short podcast, I think. But, uh, That's all right. What, 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 what caught your eye last week, Matt? Well, a couple of things caught my eye. First of all, I had a very, very enjoyable Saturday evening uh, watching the Hawks do unspeakable things to the Swans. In fact, I rewound a couple of times to watch some of the unspeakable things happen again. But, um, oh, look, it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think you it's difficult to imagine that a game like the Hawthorne-Sydney game and, and the showdown, which was an absolute cracker of mm. a match, could could coexist in the same league as the Melbourne-Brisbane game, which um, uh, didn't even score as many goals as the penalty shootout in the uh, the faux <laughs> practice game they had at the MCG between Real Madrid and whichever other pack of European fallover artists they brought over. So, yes... <laughs> and uh, one other thing too, I think it's probably important to note that um, big footy Hawks board's own Alex Woodward, who's uh, been on the list since uh, 2011 and um, has uh, struggled manfully uh, with uh, injury, suffered his third ACL injury in the VFL oh, last good. weekend. I believe it's the same knee again. And uh, he'll... Uh, Go in for another yet another ACL repair. I, I, I'm not sure what his what his future is long term, but um, really awful news. Just in, on the same weekend that um, that Menzel came back to VFL from Geelong after his fourth ACL reconstruction. So yeah, there's, guys, there's a man who's never never saying die. Oh, absolutely not. And and it's a it's a real credit to Geelong that they've stuck by him. Mm, absolutely. Uh, over all that time, and I hope Hawthorne do the same for Alex, and I'm sure they will. I, I, I can't have done the same with Matty Cruiser. Um, yeah. It's it's I've got nothing but respect for clubs that stand by players that get injured like that, yeah, and absolutely. and for players that keep coming back and keep having a go. Because like we said last week, the, your career is very short, and these things make all the difference. Uh, yeah. for, for mine, uh, obviously the showdown. I'm in Adelaide, so uh, the showdown's a big deal. Fifty-four thousand people, uh, an Adelaide Oval record crowd um, for football, and th- I think for anything, uh, just packed it in. And then they s- stacked onto Elder Park, which is a, a public park across the road, uh, across the river from the Oval. So there was, you know, a couple of thousand people there as well. 
it was uh, uh, the march that Port Adelaide traditionally do from Rundle Mall to the Oval. It's, you know, about a kilometre and a half, and uh, they had Crows supporters in there. It was a, a very touching moment, uh, very, very, uh, very big, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a great game, and closely fought as the showdowns generally are. And the Crows have got their win, their first, um, their first win of the, the, the post Phil Walsh year, and I guess mm. they get to put away the memorials and try and get some normality back in their season and... Probably, probably one more this are, week. A footing. Yeah. Probably one more this week because they've got their first actual home game since uh, the incident. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. so they, you know, after this week, we'll probably start to get some closure on things and mm. uh, move on. Uh, on to the news, though, and there's, there's some fairly decent news this week. Uh, cricket has apparently given the AFL uh, permission to stage their Easter games, Easter being in the end of March next year. Just I, I never remember Easter being in March, Messenger. Yeah, like, it is, really depends. What has happened? It? So Easter's in March coming up. Well, I can never tell because um, I don't go to church. So um, <laughs> God doesn't let me know when Easter's going to be. And you can't tell from when the stuff goes out in the supermarkets anymore because it's like Boxing Day when it hits, some, hits the shelves it, now. It so. comes out on January the 1st <laughs> these days, Easter eggs. But uh, apparently Cricket Australia is going to um, be paid some compensation to allow for the AFL to use the, the ground in round one next year, and that will probably be an ongoing arrangement. I hope they're not paying too much compensation because the Shield final isn't exactly a massive draw. Um, but you know, and they're well, apparently they're, they're and from paying money for them to give up a a, a a contractual right. Well, that's so right. You're not... paying up the contract. So, but uh, and then from 2017, they'll have the use of Junction Oval for their facilities, and uh, the AFL probably won't have to pay for that. So. Well, Although I think the AFL is paying towards the Junction Oval thing, so it's... Uh... Well, you know, you've got to yeah, grease, grease the skids for cricket, and it's a shame that they're not gonna, you're going to see Shield cricket at the MCG and they're going to be playing on a suburban ground, but, you know, they played the Shield final in bloody Tasmania. It was Victoria's home game, mm. so... It's, it's obviously not a highly... Uh, it doesn't command the respect that it used to. Oh, I don't know if it just commands the respect. I just think they've got... You know, they. I. I don't know. I, I. I. would like to have seen it play at the MCG. And as far as I'm concerned, the AFL have got more options and to use the MCG. But you know, anyway. Yeah. I. I think the MCG is a public, a public stadium, and you've got to best use to the best numbers. Progress moves on. Mm. You know, that's 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 how I see. It. If you're going to have a ground that invests so much state money into it. And so many, uh, so many other people are involved in the use of that stadium and the making of it into what it is that, you know, it, it's pretty much open slather on who gets it. This traditional allocation of six months of the year to either group that just should just go out the window. Higher gets it. You know? Well, yeah, I see your point, but I'm a, I'm a bit more of a traditionalist when it comes to oh, cricket, well. and and I think I think football are, are, are yet to learn the lesson that. The American NFL have taught sport, which is that uh, less is more. Yeah. And uh, and I think that um, we do. I think football probably goes on for a little too long, starts a little too early, and finishes a little too late. And you know, mm, but you see, the American it, it, w- it Amer- wouldn't kill them to have a week where they played games at Etihad, or you know, we had a lot of team. You know, they could play two games at Adelaide Oval or something. It wouldn't hurt them. But yeah, anyway. that too. But I mean, using the American football example, they've got to cater for a college football season and the uh, 
and the NFL as well and work your way around that. It's Anyway, speaking of stadiums, though, the Western Bulldogs are apparently putting their hand up for a new uh, twenty-five to 30,000-seat stadium. No. Uh, apparently uh, not... Um, not the Witten Oval? Well, I don't think you could build one at the Witten Oval anymore. It's, Why? I, th- I think there's a limited amount of space there, not least with which would be car parking. Well, though, there is no car parking there now, or very minimal, and the... Well, they never, you, it's they been never quite was. a while since I've been to the Witten Oval. Cars but... used to park up the back streets around Barclay Street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It used to yeah. be like trying to park around Victoria Victoria Park. So... There's lots of land in Rockbank in Caroline Springs. I wonder I wonder if um, a, a building on the showgrounds might be of a benefit up there. Oh. It's in the north and west of the, of the, of the city. North there Melbourne. isn't really space at the Melbourne showgrounds, not there for the sat sort of thing. You could build over the stadium there like they did in the showgrounds in Sydney. They're not gonna they're not gonna build over the hall of manufacturers where we get our show bags, <laughs> are they? We can do without the logging or whatever it is they have. No, no we can't. No yeah. we can't. I love the logging. No, don't it's they have great. a don't they have a small oval thing there? They have a small oval, but it's not even a football sized oval anymore. Well, it would be if they took and the they track need... off it. They'd have to knock down half the bloody showgrounds to build it. <laughs> for what? For for Bulldogs home games? Oh, I think there'd be more than one club. Be, well, North would want to play a few games there. It's in their area. Oh, but I thought North for a big club. Well, I don't think you... Well, yeah, I don't... I don't no. Don't know. No, I don't I'm not going to open that can of worms. They could build it at Caroline. There's so much flat... Flat featureless land out at Caroline Springs. They could build it out there. Well, they're they? not going to help you get your uh, <laughs> get your pokies venue any more profitable. Right next to our pokies <laughs> venue. Come and gamble. Come and gamble in the Hawthorne the Hawthorne Gambling House. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's um, that's been put forward there by uh, Peter Gordon, who said that his club made more money out of its round fifteen clash in Cairns where it was attended by 9,000 people. Then they made it Eddie had for the entire year. And I, I, just, I do want to point out some things here. <laughs> it's, yes. it's not entirely true, because uh, the Western Bulldogs still get money from the memberships that are paid for that period. Uh, so a lot, a lot of the people that would go to these games would be members, and the dogs get the money from that. It, basically, this is gate receipts he's talking about. Sure. So he's not talking about the porridge and signage rights that they're entitled to at Etihad. He's not talking about uh, any any income from corporate boxes that they get, and there is a I think it's like twenty seven percent of the money per head, twenty seven percent of a standard admission per head that they get there. Uh, so he's not talking about any of that. So it's it's not entirely, and, and this is the problem I have with James Brayshaw's figures as well. It's not entirely as black and white as these guys are making it out to be. They're entitled to ask for more money or try and get as much money as any businesses, but to say that they made more money in one game, and I think it's only two hundred and fifty grand for this game. So to say that they've made more from that one, we know for a fact they get paid a hundred thousand dollars guaranteed from Eddie Had Stadium per match is a bit of a joke. Yeah, but I guess they, they would also, from a cost accounting point of view, they would say, well, how much does it cost them per reserve seat? Because they have to buy 
reserved seats from the stadium to on sell, and they would be a, they would be able to cost those on a per game basis. So that would cut into it. Now they or they could say, well, you know, we aggregate that cost at the start of the year and we subtract for it. They can on a cost basis say that, and that's how they would get break evens for each game as well. They say, well, we've got you know seventeen thousand reserve seats that we've bought non sold. And our margin on it is X. Yep. Now I don't know how that how they they work out uh, that if those reserve seats aren't filled, but um, they would also have the general admission and you know they'll, they'll have other costs as well. But I don't think it's you know it, it's possible. And certainly I'm aware that when Hawthorne have had a couple of bad attendance games, you know, many years ago. The talk was that they essentially wrote a cheque to the to the MCC for for the use of the ground because they didn't have enough people in the ground. Mm. You know, when they had like you know, sixteen or seventeen thousand, well below their break even. So mm. yeah, there's going to be a way of calculating on a game by game basis. Undoubtedly, um, the West. No, sorry, we've done that. Two thirds of the way into the season, uh, crowds are apparently almost exactly the same as they were last year, despite everything the AFL has. Uh, tried and uh, so the age is reporting that uh, they are pretty much exactly the same and it, uh, uh, the crowd averages are even worse when you consider that the two uh, two of the five highest drawing games of the season have both been in round one uh, the Carlton Richmond game and the Hawthorne Geelong game and in fact I think they're two of the top three games for the season so <laughs> but when you think about like I don't know First of all, it's freezing in Melbourne it at is, the it moment. Is cold like it year. is just I can't feel my feet half the time. It's so cold. Yeah. And you think, well, do I really want to go and sit sit at the MCG when it's ten degrees on a Sunday afternoon? Mm. You know? I don't. I and, think we're and, getting a taste of what the NRL guys got in Sydney last year as well. Uh, where they had a lot of cold weather and a lot of rain. Um, it was, I think, four degrees one night for a game in Canberra that only had 6,000 people turn out to it. Uh, and, and so the weather is definitely playing a part. I think you're right. And there's just so many other things to do. I mean, you know, we've all got sort of family commitments and, and what have you. We've also got, you know, many other things to do. You can sit now, you can download Netflix and you can, you know, watch Foxtel or, or what have you. And, you know, and, yeah. and they do show games live against the gate now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think if they think they're going to fill the stadium every week for some of these things, they're kidding themselves. But yeah, yeah. I think there's also the factor of uh, a very poor year from Carlton, a very poor year from Essendon. Richmond had a very inconsistent start to the year. I think Collingwood's uh, crowds are down slightly as well, and these things have a big impact on crowds in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. A bigger impact than I think people in the state understand or rubbish a lot. But anyway. That's my yeah. own personal battles going on there. Yeah, but, but, but that, that matters. And, and, and it I matters big time. Geelong, and I imagine Geelong's games, the, the, the home games that they play in Melbourne yeah. at Etihad, I imagine their season poor, plays up poorly on that. attended as well. Yeah. So th- there are there are reasons for it, and the, these are all, you know, these, these are reasons that can happen to anyone any given year. Hmm. I, it's, it's certainly not... I mean, the crowds are up, I think it's 1%, and they'd be up... 2% if uh, the game against Adelaide, uh, between Adelaide and Geelong had gone ahead, but obviously it didn't and, you know, no use crying over that but, at the same time... Doesn't uh, sound like much of a crisis, does it? It's, it's not really a crisis the game's no. not, less people aren't going to the game, it's just 
more people aren't. So, and yeah. when it gets down to it, crowds for the Australian Football League are still head and shoulders above every other game in the country by a That's long right. way. So, but I will say one thing: critics can it, get it, stuffed. Yes, <laughs> you know, when you go to an A League game and or you go to Super Rugby, and I've been to a couple of Super Rugby games, they're over remarkably quickly. Yeah, and there's something to be said for you go along and I think they kick off at you know Super Rugby kick off at seven thirty. Game's you're done by nine. The, you're walking out the door at half past nine. Yeah, like it's over, and it's a good night. And maybe one of the things they'll talk about is maybe the games are too long. Maybe they don't need to have 35, 35-minute quarters. The game has always been a long game, though. I'm not a fan of mucking around with fundamental parts of the game like that. I, I don't like the mucking around with the time. I, I think it's part of what makes our game what it is. I, just... I, I, I saw what they did in the under-18 carnival um, uh, or one, was it the carnival? They, did they play the carnival? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's not really and, a carnival And it's just anymore. a continuous clock. Yeah. And I think they only play time on in the last five or ten minutes or something like that. And, I don't mind uh, them taking time on out. If, well, if, all, if that's what it has on. to be. It's all time on, though, really. they had, There's 40 minutes of time on in every game, pretty yeah. much. Well, see, I, could, I could handle it going to like a flat 25-minute quarter. Yeah, and that puts here. you up with what that, that, the game time then becomes pretty much exactly like what soccer does, which is what ninety minutes plus injury time. So, but then what you have to do is you have to you have to stop time wasting. Well, that could be easily done. You just it's, call time wasting. Mike Fitzpatrick had it called on him back in eighty one, and I've never forgotten. No, stupid, clearly, stupid Essendon supporting umpire. Twenty four years later, <laughs> yes. But I mean. You know, you don't see it called a lot these days. I mean, it means you take your free kicks faster. The umpire throws the ball up instead of trying to bounce it every. T- you know, it's it's not hard. Yeah. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of playing around with fundamentals. But hey, we brought the sub rule in, and that pretty much changed that. So, well, the centre square, the centre centre square, the fifty metre arcs, fifty metre arc, the fifty metre penalty. Yes. Alrighty, uh, and just finally, uh, construction, well not finally, construction has begun on Frio's uh, new $100 million training complex, so next time you want to complain about Hawthorne building a $8 million one or whatever it was out at the rubbish tip, and that's what that, that's what we're officially calling it, the rubbish tip. Please, please, we, we're going to call it dingers, aren't we? <laughs> we're all going to dingers, dingers is where we be, hey, hey, hey. This think... is this is Fremont's one, this is called Cockburn, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, I, th- I think it's Coburn, but... Um, oh, I, it looks it, like Cockburn to me. It's a, a very, uh, very funny McAuliffe program skit. Anyway. <laughs> and Sorry, I, I think Cockburn, I think of Seppo and, and his, and his um, <laughs> Matt Fife doll. Well, yeah, yeah, if he's, uh, he gets too excited with the poster, that's what he might get. Um, so, yeah, the, they've, the Dockers are apparently raising 13 to $14 million of a, what is $108 million cost of that. So, fun stuff. That's, Eagles that's... looking at building a $66 million venue, but they're paying for most of that, apparently. So, what are they going to do now that they're, they're going to be uh, they're digging less rocks out of the ground over there? Because Western Australia have essentially sold bits of Western Australia yes. to fund all this these Maloo utes and jet skis mm-hmm. and... Uh, mm-hmm. And um, bespoke mullets. 
Um, what are they going to do for money? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Prostitution? Well, they've been good at that too in <laughs> Western Australia. Yeah. Um, and just injury news, just briefly. Uh, Mitch Brown has been moved on to the long-term injury list by the Eagles and has had his place taken by somebody else whose name escapes me. I've lost that for the moment. That was very informative. Uh, Murray Newman is under the rookie uh, is coming up from the rookie list as his replacement, and no real surprises at Carlton, where Chris Judd is now on the long-term injury list, but no yeah. replacement has been named. Although I did think he'd retired, so go figure. <laughs> so, so hang on, they haven't they haven't nominated anybody to come up, is it? Do they have no one, or it's probably everyone else is playing at the moment. I think if you've got a Carlton jumper in the closet, you're due for a call-up any week now. So, but what about their... Surely they must have a rookie they can elevate. Oh, they'd have rookies they can elevate. I don't know who, though. I don't know who they would. Oh. We might be down to international rookies now. <laughs> that might be all we've got left. <laughs> be a lot of Irishmen with contracts at the end Ooh. of the year. <laughs> the ball, the ball, the ball is over. That's terrific. <laughs> All right, so on to our main discussion topic, and we want to talk a little bit about the quality of the game uh, itself. And uh, as Messenger observed earlier, the Brisbane-Melbourne game uh, wasn't of a quality that we expect from professional footballers, perhaps. Well, they are neither of them are very good at professional <laughs> football. And, and having seen any number of Carlton games this year, I can tell you now that... Uh, uh, yeah, we're not all that good either. So, and there was a Carlton Richmond game a week and a half ago, which uh, was not really ideal in terms of a, a football spectacle. It was shit. So, I'm forced. I'm forced to ask me, and 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 then I've got Jared Healy who uh, was talking on SEN today, and he's saying that uh, the biggest problem we've lost is. Um, uh, our brand. We've lost the brand and we've lost uh, long kicks. We don't have long kicks anymore. Uh, we don't have high marking. We don't have spectacular replays because of that. We don't have forwards to kick 100 goals. These are all parts of the game. So, has the game changed for the worse, Messenger? No, it hasn't. And and first of all, I watch games every week where there's long kicking and high marking and spectacular highlights. And to say that there none of those things exist anymore is not is not true but what do you do when you're not watching the nfl (laughs) (laughs) sorry Um, couldn't help it these things exist but i i i think we live in this wonderland where every game you know the game 25 years ago was amazing and and there's always been bad games there's always been bad teams there's always been unattractive football and and I, i you know this we put the rose-coloured glasses on and, and we want it to be like it was. Well, the, the good old days really weren't the good old days. Yeah. Teams and got flogged regularly. I think it's a confected, a confected crisis, as we're, and we're, we're pretty good at these things. But, um, you know, somebody posted a thing on the Twitter the other day that showed a set of games from around way back. I think it might have been made pre-AFL where every team scored 100 points. And apparently the magic thing now is if you don't score 100 points, you you, you know, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. The truth of the matter is those teams are scoring 100 points and still being beaten, still being beaten by eight or, eight or 10 goals. Yeah. Right? 
So they're losing 100 to 160. So this is the question. Do you value the competitiveness of games or do you say, we just want to see up and down, kicking lots and lots of goals, and, and we don't care past that? I mean, what do you actually want? Do you want competitive football or do you want just a free-flowing sort of, you know, just a free-for-all? Yeah, I don't know. Because these games, a lot of those games, they're over a quarter time. Yeah. They are, they are no longer a contest. And it's pretty to watch. And, oh, geez, look, they've kicked 27 goals. But but there's no but there's no suspense. There's no... There's no interest. It's just a it's just a percentage booster. I don't know. I mean, these teams, the the teams that aren't very good, use defense as a way of keeping themselves in the game, and it's a way of teaching. And they build these teams from the defensive end. And it's no you know it's no accident you talk about Paul Ruse, who's often pilloried for being you know bad at, or he's sort of been part of the part of the problem in the game. He's got Melbourne, and Melbourne couldn't defend anything last year, anything at all. The first thing he did is he taught them to defend, and as soon as he taught them to defend, he got them into games. And, he, and they win a few more games. Now, do they play an awful brand of football? Yeah, most weeks they do. It's shocking to watch. But he's not paid to make play pretty football. He's paid to teach them to win football games. Yeah. And, and if, you know, that's, that's the coach's imperative, is that the, they want the teams to win. Because really what you end up with is you end up with, if you go back to the 80s, you have the same teams who always kick big scores, the same teams who are losing every week. You, and, and we decry that too. We decry lack of competitiveness. So I, I don't know. I, again, I think it's it's manufactured. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure whether someone like, um, and we were talking about this beforehand, I I wonder if we lack that skill, like some of the skill sets that we used to have, though, Messenger, like um, as in the big forwards that used to, like when St Kilda were crap back in the eighties and nineties, they all they they still could kick scores because they had these guys who could kick goals. They could manufacture goals out of poor deliveries, um, at, at a you know what we would we didn't have we didn't ha- really have inside fifties as a stat back then, you know. It, it, we, your stats were kicks, disposals, and marks, and that was it. You know, <laughs> like. But, but you also had guys who who didn't have an opponent all day. Yeah. You had midfielders who didn't defend. Like defense, defense was something the backmen did. Yeah. So, so you had these. So now what you've got is this whole idea of eighteen man defense and eighteen man offense, and so inevitably there's more pressure on the ball carrier. And inevitably, there's there's uh, it's it's harder to execute skills. But if you just want displays of people running in inside fifty and hitting full forwards lace out, like it, it, to me, you, I think you end up giving up some of the competitiveness because you know we want people to compete and we say, oh, there's no effort. And yeah, I, I mean, yes, the the full forward has become less of a specialised position, but. But really, the last of those generation we're talking about, Buddy at Hawthorne circa 2008, 9, 10, Brendan Favola, guys like that, how did they get how did they get phased out of the game? Teams got smart and they knew where the ball was going and they just got in their way. So 
so the next evolution is to be, well, now you don't know who you're going to be kicking it to. You're kicking it to areas with different guys, and and, and that's how the game's evolved. But, it, but is, that a, like, is, that, is that going to keep people coming to the game, though, Messenger? Yeah, but how do you... Well, I mean, the you argument... You want to get people to the game, but, but you, you, you present a problem and teams solve it. You solve Brendan Provola by having two blokes on him and if he's the only avenue to go, well, it's really easy. You just, you know exactly where the ball's going, and that's what killed Buddy in the end at Hawthorne too, is that everybody knew where the ball was going, and so you'd have four people standing around him. Yeah, I think, so I think the clubs, killed so the himself coaches sold else. it. But I don't know. I've, I don't know. I, I still think it's a great game. I still think that it presents great games to watch. I think it presents some pretty awful games to watch it too. Does. But... But didn't it always? Yeah, well, I think uh, any team on its day, if, if it's properly coached and you've got all your players available, can be as good, can play as an attractive amount of footy as any other side. But the problem we've got now is you've got a lot of players out injured. You've, you're playing on... You, you, you've got a lot of coaches that... And I'm talking about my own coach here at the moment. Uh, who are either inexperienced or recovering from uh, you know, two or three years of poor coaching, in my, in my professional opinion. Yeah. Um, and and so you, you you know you've got teams that are constantly in rebuilding processes that aren't just that just aren't cutting the mustard competitively or skill wise or you know you have a bad draft or a bad run of injuries and. All of a sudden, you're down to you know that that's that part of the list that you had, but you hope no one ever really saw. Yeah. Ba- back in the eighties, you would have hid these guys in the back pocket. <laughs> well, well, you would have, and and uh, oh, I, I don't know. It just it feels like a made up problem. Again, it feels like a made up problem in that, and and it feels like people have got their rose coloured glasses on. Yeah, and, and saying. Oh look, the numbers say this, and and it wasn't it great when the losing team kicked 110. Well, yeah, was it? Was it really that great? I mean, okay, it's entertaining to see people kicking lots of goals, and the but the balls the ball zings around. Good teams can move the ball pretty well these days. The other thing, though, with those Still. games where the losing team kicked like 100 points, these are games where like the shootout. At Cadinia Park, I think it was between Essendon and, Ge- uh, and Geelong, where uh, Ablett kicked f- ten and Salmon kicked fourteen or something stupid. Like y- you'd, ha- I, I I do miss the big forwards that m- pretty much every club had. But, every- but the focus there was how many could those guys kick, and that and, these, and, but and these those guys- games are, those those games were rarities in that they were both big scoring games and competitive. You think back to the game where Jason Dunstall kicked 17 against Richmond. Well, yes, but Richmond were appalling back then. Yeah, but that's how he kicked 17. That's the point. Like, oh, no, I know, played... I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that when you had those games where the, like the, when the losing team kicked 100 points, that's generally when you were up against these sides. Sides like St Kilda who could kick 100 points, but they were still going to lose because at the other end they were deficient. Yes. So, I mean, you can look at it with the rose-coloured glasses and say, okay, I remember when the losing side kicked 100 points, but at the same time, 
you're talking about sides that had, like, you know, Melbourne had Alan Jakovic who could kick a couple of goals on his day, and Darren Bennett, and you had, uh, I don't know who Richmond had, what, Matthew Richardson for 40 years? I honestly can't remember. Well, you, even, even, you know, Warwick Kappa. I mean, yeah, how much... Kappa on his day, but he had to be on his day. Yeah, but, but how, how did he really help? Like, he kicked 100 goals, but were they any good for most of the time he was up there? Well, he was good enough... I, th- I think he was okay. I mean, they, I think they played finals one year, didn't they? They, I think they played a couple of finals. But, I think they uh, played a couple of finals, but but the truth of the matter is that that you you need more than just that guy to actually win the win the finals, and and this is why you know they get criticised for playing defensively, but believe me, they get just as badly criticised if they leak like a sieve as well. Yeah, true enough. No, I think you're right. I think we do look at the game with, uh, with, with. I mean, I think we're all prone to it at some point. I mean, I fondly remember '95 and '87 for some reason, and nothing after that. The game <laughs> for me. But uh, I tell you what, if you're going to do something, if you're going to do something, and you wanted to free it up a bit, you would. If you wanted to make... Because I was just thinking, what would be a simple way to do it? If you wanted to sort of free it up around the middle a bit and you want to have a zone, I'd say you put a line straight through the middle of the ground and you say to each team, you must have four guys on, on, that side side, on the other side of that line and two of them have to be inside 50. I wonder if an offside rule would fix it. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Can you... <laughs> Because what's the what's the big problem? Let's let's create another subjective interpretation. Let's create something where a boundary umpire who's running flat out down a, down a sideline and then has to get a flag out and judge offside when the ball's <laughs> moving quicker than he is. This would be easy. You, you don't need any more umpires. You have a line down the middle, and it's simple. If you've got four on one side, you're good. It's binary. As long as you got to find an umpire who can count to four, you're in business. What about multiple zones? Like, oh. like say, the forwards have to stay inside the 50-metre arc and the backs have to do the same in their half and then it's like midfielders and half-back flankers and that's it, and like and half-forward flankers and stuff in the, in the middle of the ground. So you've got no more than nine people on the ball at any time. Oh, no. We could call it... Um, netball Netball <laughs> yeah, take, take off the numbers And start calling them Goalkeepers And things I, Yeah I know that they, There's this Imperative to fix the game and, Yeah But Yeah What are they fixing I'm just trying to What are they fixing I don't know, My opinion I mean my thought on this Is that the game Will fix itself One way or another uh, Some Some new coaching innovation Will come in That will sort this out yeah. Well, it's interesting what they're talking about now is that they're not crowding the ball carrier so much anymore, is that they're actually, and Geelong started this, where they're actually not throwing huge numbers right at the contest, but they're spreading out to cover the next one out. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, sign, that's, a, that's a sign of evolution. Yeah. And so... And they're not double teaming because that creates a loose man, and they're going one on one a bit. And I think it will sort itself out. But um, you know, you see a couple of games where it's a problem, and all of a sudden it's a crisis. Hmm. And, and and it's 
and you've also got journalists who probably have a little bit too much time on their hands. So, mm. yeah, I'm not, so, not... So, if you've got to this point in the podcast, the long, the short, the short story is there's no crisis. No. That's right. We don't think there's a crisis. We don't think there's a crisis. We're going to get stuck into this coming round. Oh. And uh, just before we do that, the ladder, Fremantle, of course, on top, followed by West Coast and Hawthorne. Uh, not much in it, though. Fremantle, uh, a little bit uh, flimsy at the moment, I think, but we'll get to that. Uh, the Swans coming in fourth. Uh, they're equal with Hawthorne, of course. Richmond outright fifth. Western Bulldogs uh, and GWS on sixth and seventh there, along with Adelaide all... Well, actually, the Bulldogs and GWS on nine and six, Adelaide on eight, six, and, of course, their forfeit... Well, their draw, so... Their draw, isn't it? That's right. So... It's, uh, and then outside the eight, you've got Collingwood and North Melbourne in ninth and tenth on eight and seven. Geelong outright eleventh on seven and seven. Port Adelaide six and nine. St Kilda, Essendon and Melbourne on five and ten. My beloved and crap blues on three and twelve. And the Suns and Lions representing Queensland football's descent to the bottom of the ladder on two and thirteen. So there we are. On Just... to this week, though. Oh. And, of course, tomorrow night, uh, I know you'll lose a lot of sleep tonight over this, Messenger. Uh, Carlton play Hawthorne at Etihad Stadium in what is a blockbuster match of epic proportions. It, 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 doesn't, say, it, it doesn't say anything about the character of anybody who would actually watch this game because you're probably going along <laughs> on the basis that... Um, you're waiting for the train wreck to start. So just a, a public appeal to all those good, decent Big Footy podcast listeners, and I know I think there's one of you, please don't let your children watch this game, please. <laughs> Things will happen. It'll be like Ned, Carlton will be playing the Ned Beatty role in Deliverance in this game, and, or it'll be like some other disgusting movie, but please, this will be brutal. And I am looking forward to it immensely. Let me tell you, immensely. <laughs> uh, Mark Murphy playing his 200th game. Levi Casbolt playing his 50th. And Brad Walsh playing his first game, apparently, for Carlton. <laughs> Poor Brad. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually supposed to play against Frio last week, so I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, in this week, Blaine Bokehurst and Liam Jones for Carlton, so we're going to lose... And uh, Bradley oh, Hill yeah. and Jonathan O'Rourke in for Stratton and Shields, who are injured for the Hawks. Yes, Jonathan so, O'Rourke playing his second game after Hawthorne tra- traded a first-round pick for him. His <laughs> second game for the season. I'll be, I'll be going out to put uh, some hard-earned cash on Carlton to win at $17. Oh, absolutely. You, should, you know what you should do? You should get them uh, to be in front at quarter time. Mm. Interesting game on Saturday, uh, GWS and Geelong at Star Trek Oval in Canberra. This game is apparently sold out, has been all week apparently. And uh, last time these sides played, Geelong flogged... uh, Well, actually they didn't flog them, they beat them by eight points at uh, Spotless Stadium in Sydney. So, bit of of an interesting game, Miss, given the form of the Giants. You... 
you'd have to think that GWS would make the finals from here because I don't think they, their draw is all that much chop. But gee, Geelong, I don't know. Oh, are they, Geelong going to make the finals? I know, it's it's. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to say that with any confidence, but they might. Yeah, yeah, I've. I say Giants, but not without with any any faith at all. They was a pretty good win over the Bulldogs the other day. But Geelong the, need a Geelong need a fair bit to go with them to make the finals. I just don't see it at the moment. Geelong haven't travelled well either. No, no. Giant Giants two games above them in the eight. Mm. No, I, I just don't. I don't see them getting knocked out at the moment. So. Selwood in for what the Cats this week so a good uh, good return but I don't think it's going to be enough and I think Smets as well uh, he'll get 9 million possessions Joel Selwood so well GWS still playing without a Ruckman are they so Joel Patful and Jed Lamb in for the Giants uh, Cam McCarthy out admitted and Matt Bunteen with concussion, Joel Selwood, Billy Smets in for Matthew Stokes and Jed Buse. So, mm. uh, Giants narrow favourites there. Adelaide with their first home game since uh, Phil Smith's unfortunate demise. Um, on Adelaide, I want a rare Saturday afternoon game in Adelaide against against the Gold Coast Suns. Or against Gary Ablett and the Gold Coast Suns, as I like to think of them. Uh, Rory Sloan returning out for, well, in for Matt Crouch, who has been admitted. The Suns making a number of changes, including Harley Bennell, who says he's made some mistakes in the past, but has learnt from them. Charlie Dixon returning was the big one for me. Henry Shade, Luke Russell and Sean Lemons all in. Peter Wright out. Tom Nichols has a quad injury. Jared Harbrow. <laughs> out for fatherhood apparently and Mitch oh. <laughs> I assume his wife's had a baby unless he's having one Mitch Hallahan has an arm injury and Clay Cameron has been omitted there Rory oh. Atkins playing his first game for Adelaide poor Rory it looks like I think Adelaide will give them a pretty good old belting mm. well. Gary Abbott will get 40 and and uh, the rest of the team will stand around and watch him do it which it seems to be what they do. Uh, Saturday Twilight Mess, uh, Richmond have Fremantle in a, what should be Ooh. a fairly decent game at the MCG. It'll be a Seppo-attended game. It will be. <laughs> Our good friend Seppo is a cheerleader. Yep, and apparently if they get more than 46,000, it will be the biggest home and away crowd Fremantle have ever played in front of. Is, is, the, is the Richmond bandwagon well and truly going, though? Oh yeah, they've all—all all the wheels are on the road. They're ready. They're ready to rock. <laughs> the only last time they played at the MCG, Fremantle beat them in 2014, uh, 105 to 85. But last time they met, Richmond beat them in round 10 this year. So they—they they have got uh, so Richmond have got Fremantle and Hawthorne the week after. Mm. This is their litmus test fortnight. Uh, Griffiths and Lloyd in for Richmond. Uh, Gordon and McDonough, who, or whatever his name is, is out. Troy Chaplin playing his 200th game for the Tigers. And Claire, uh, Clancy Pierce in at Frio for Hayden Ballantyne with a pectoral tendon tear, apparently. 
Yeah, it's the it's the new osteitis pubis, isn't it? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, all the cool kids are getting it. Yeah, so fourteen and showers if you go into the MCG on Saturday. Uh, Saturday night across the road at at the MCG Essendon. No, sorry, at Etihad Essendon will be playing Port Adelaide. In, in uh, well, an interesting game. Port's chances of making the finals, which according to Ken Hinckley, they'll still make. Although I don't think they will. I think they're leaving their run a bit late now. I think. What are they? Four and seven. Four yeah. and ten. Or yeah, <laughs> it's not How, five what, and ten. What are they? What are they? How many wins have they got? I think they're five and ten, aren't they? Five and ten. Essendon are five and ten. You wouldn't give Essendon any hope, would no. you? No, no. I don't give either side up chance here. No. Um, <laughs> Port, Port will win. You can, you can live in hope. It's fourteenth versus twelfth here, so yeah, battle of the giants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Essendon are ten and five, I think, uh, and uh, Port Adelaide are six and nine. So. <laughs> so. It's amazing to think that Port Adelaide were one kick away from a grand final. They really year. have dropped off a bit this year. Alex uh, Brown in for Essendon. Uh, Jason Ashby has been admitted. Dyson Heppel plays his 100th game for Essendon. For Port Adelaide, Matt White, Andrew Moore and Sam Colquhoun uh, are in for Brendan Archie, Nathan Cracker and Paul Stewart. Nathan Cracker with a hamstring injury there. The rest just omitted. Uh, this game, of course, at Eddie had at 7.20 on Saturday night. Uh, yes. The other game on Saturday night, Brisbane Lions versus North Melbourne at the Gabba. Oh, God. Uh, really? Yes, so, yes. I'll tell you what, Saturday night's going to be go to a movie night, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, you'd think the Kangaroos would uh, want to win this one. Wouldn't you? You'd think... You'd, you'd think Wouldn't you'd you? think that they would hope that they could beat the team who have won two games for the season. It's 18th versus 10th. So 18th uh, versus 10th, another... With some high-quality footy. I think uh, Brent Harvey playing his 400th game for North Melbourne. Congratulations to him. Wonderful. Um, and it's a shame he has to play it in Brisbane, though, isn't it? It is. I, w- I would have thought, given if... Uh, I, I guess if, if you think you've got everything to play for, they're at 8 and 7... Um, oh, sorry, not they're at two and thirteen. No, hang on, what am I looking? They're at eight and seven. Yeah. So it's yeah. I, I wouldn't think they're going to make the finals. North, so, yeah, yeah, they've got apparently a, a draw softer than my head coming in. So <laughs> they will, I reckon, they'll make it because that's the north thing to do is to surge into the finals and then get blown out week one. So I guess that's why Harvey's playing then. It's all to, if, as long as he's in the best 22, he's up there. Well, it's all about Brent. Mm. Apparently the whole team is wearing a jumper with his name on it, so go figure. Oh, really? Uh, Sam Wright playing his 100th game for North Melbourne. Sean Attlee playing 100 game there as well. Sean Attlee's played 100 games that's at football. Right. Well, how about that? But, you know, there are players that have won premierships that have done almost less. Yes. Hi, Leon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Drew Petrie and Lindsay Thomas, Luke McDonald all in for North Melbourne. Drew Petrie, very handy indeed. Lindsay Thomas, not too bad either. Aaron Black has been admitted. Jamie McMillan has a hamstring injury. And Alan Mullett uh, has a hamstring injury as well for Brisbane. Not reckon that, it... that might be the last time we hear at Aaron Black's name listed in next to a senior football team. 
It could be. It could well be. He's he has he has fallen from grace. Mm. Absolutely fallen from grace. One of the two uh, prizes that North Melbourne received in the Josh Gibson trade, by the way. Mm. I'm, the sure, other I'm one, sure they love being reminded of that. And the other one, I think, is actually playing for Box Hill Hawks. Uh, Liam Dawson in for uh, Ryan Harwood at Brisbane, who has a hip injury. So, yeah. fun stuff there. Jed uh, Adcock playing his 200s game for Brisbane. This is the milestone game, I guess. Sunday, Melbourne have Collingwood message it. Melbourne play Collingwood? Uh, sorry, the Western Bulldogs play Collingwood. I don't the Western Bulldogs play Collingwood. Sixth versus ninth, so this is possibly the game of the round. Jeez, Collingwood would want to win one soon, wouldn't they? How many close games can you have <laughs> against top teams and it still be okay? Honourable losses. They're, they're, I mean, they get costly at this time of the year. And they could, they could and get it's... another one here. You say, you have one, you say, oh, that's okay, we, we were good, and oh, we ran Hawthorne close, and then, oh, we lost the third one, but that's all right, and then fourth one, and you think, yeah, actually, we've just blown a month. This is North Melbourne's year from, what, 2013, where they lost, like, eight games by less than five points? Yes. That's like, <laughs> this is the year that Collingwood are having, I think, so... They are absolutely no sure thing to beat the Bulldogs, and Cloak is out for... A while. Dogs and, have a good side uh, this year, so. A nation turns its lonely eyes to Jesse White. <laughs> and... I, I see there was a psychologist in the paper during the week recommending that uh, he get some uh, professional help. So. <laughs> the, uh, that would be psychologist Wayne Carey. That's right. That's yes, right. I, I, um, I, I did dis- declare him the fool's gold of the uh, 2013 <laughs> free agency period, and I stand by it. Yeah. Uh, for the Western Bulldogs, Shane Biggs, Michael Tail, and Sam Darley in uh, no outs yet. Tony uh, Tory Dixon plays his 50th game for the Bulldogs. Out for Collingwood, Travis Cloak with a calf injury. Uh, so make it that what you will. But coming in, uh, Darcy Moore, son of uh, Peter Moore. Sam Dwyer, Tyson Goldsack, and Patrick Carnesis all in for Travis Cloak, so it's uh, four men to replace one messenger. Would you do a head count? Oh, I would, and and if you got to 26, you'd be surprised, but um, Carnesis, he's another one who's fallen from grace, hasn't he? He was really good in Brisbane. Mm. Not so good in Victoria. Mm. Again, I know Messenger will be watching quite keenly on the weekend. Uh, Melbourne versus St Kilda. On uh, Sunday, oh. Sunday afternoon at three twenty. So this will be the t- this will be the TV game in Melbourne too. I think. So <laughs> it's gonna be eleven degrees and MCG raining at the MCG. So we could, we could see a low crowd here. <laughs> um, we could, yeah. Is this one of the ones where they let the kids in for free? I I'm not sure if it's a free if it's a free Sunday thing here. I don't they know let them in. Let them in the green. You let them in, and then they close the gates behind them and lock them in. <laughs> That's right. Uh, in for Melbourne, Viv Mitchie, Jackie Grimes, Mark Jamar, Matt Jones, and out Jay Kennedy Harris, uh, who has been omitted. So really, yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Go, go figure. St Kilda uh, get back Tom Hickey, Adam Schneider, and Tim Membry, and out Hugh Goddard. Ah, sorry, Hugh Goddard will be playing his first game. 
So. Oh, I thought he played last week. Oh, he, he, I think he was named, but he didn't actually play. No, he debuted last week. Well, the AFL says no, it's his first game this week. Actually, and they did the same with Brad Walsh. So whether they don't count being named as the sub as your first game, I don't know. No, he played. I don't know. You got it? Yeah, yeah. but he might have been named as a sub. Maybe the AFL doesn't count that as your first game. St Kilda are going to flog him. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, they're going to flog Tim Embry, actually, like, I think he's, he might almost be recruiter of the year, Tim Membry. I can't think... Can you think of anybody else who's made a bigger impact changing clubs? Changing clubs? No. No. He, he's been really quite good at St Kilda. I'd be a good pick-up. Actually, I don't know. Jared Waite's done all right at North. I think Jeff Garlett's had a good year at Melbourne. Actually, no, that's true. Jeff Garlett has turned in, but Higgins hasn't done much. All mirth aside. Uh, <laughs> all mirth aside. Uh, Frawley's not been, you know, he's had a pretty injury-interrupted year. But, um, oh, yeah, Garlett, no, that'd be true. Yeah, Garlett, but... But Tim Embry, really good pick-up from St Kilda. I misspoke earlier. This will be the game of the round, the last game of the round. Uh, the yes. Sunday afternoon game in Perth. Uh, West Coast versus Sydney. Um, second versus fourth. There's not much in this at all. Uh, you've got Jamie Bennell, Fraser McInnes, Tom Barras, and Murray mm-hmm. Newman coming in for, well, at the moment, only Jeremy McGovern. Uh, Tom Barras... Is listed as new for the Eagles, so not listed as playing his first game. He's the new. he's the uh, he's a key defender because they've lost um, they've lo- they lost McGovern and they've lost him for three or four weeks, they mm, think, with a hamstring and uh, with a hamstring and and they're so they're really struggling for for big bodies down there. Mm. And uh, Schofield's the last bloke standing down there at the moment. So it's going to be um, interesting. But, geez, you just think West Coast have got too much. Coming in for the Swans. Sydney were really bad. Mm, coming in for the Swans, Jeremy Layla, Mike Pike, Isaac Heaney, Xavier Richards, Daniel Robinson, Dean Towers, uh, out Craig Bird, Kurt Tippett, Ted Richards, uh, Bird and Tippett injured. Uh, Richards, of course, suspended. Josh P. Kennedy playing his 150th game. Uh, Xavier Richards playing his first. So, Yeah, I I don't think the Swans have been playing great footy. And uh, the Eagles have been playing some okay footy. So, yeah, you'd go for... You'd go for... The Eagles have been pretty good. And it's Dean Towers' week to be in because he'll play that game and then they'll drop him again. And, uh, yeah, so it'll be towers in, towers out, towers in, towers out. You'd, you'd go the Eagles in Perth, I suspect. Uh, Freo and West... Oh. Freo, how likely is Hawthorne to break into that top two mess? In honest, Give us an honest opinion. Um, it's certainly doable. It's certainly doable. Because we're a game behind West Coast. We've still got to play West Coast. Um, we've got two games against Carlton and a game against Brisbane... So we've also got games against Port and Geelong, Port in Melbourne. So really the two big challenges for us through here are the next three weeks with Richmond and West Coast. And I think if we can win both of those games, 
uh, and not drop any others we shouldn't, I, I think we can do it. But the let's, thing let's, is, let's, let's take a quick look at this same message. Hawthorne, Hawthorne have got Richmond next Friday. Yes. Uh, Sydney have got Adelaide next Saturday. Yes. Uh, West Coast have got Gold Coast at Metricon on Saturday night. And Fremantle have got GWS. And I say Fremantle because if they drop a game, you and West, uh, Hawthorne and West Coast have percentage on them. So if they drop yes. a game and Hawthorne win another one, which they will win tomorrow night for sure, um, and they'll get even more percentage out of it, I think. So, um, I mean, if Freo drop a game, they could, go, they could drop from first to third. It's, it's um, quite possible in three weeks that Hawthorne, will be play, Hawthorne and West Coast will be playing for second spot. Mm. That's possible. And, and the thing is, if you finish third you or fourth this, this season, you're, buying yourself, you're likely buying yourself a ticket to Perth in yep. week one and quite possibly a ticket back to Perth in week, in week three two. for a prelim. Yeah. So, makes makes so, that round 19 game. Round 19, Saturday night, mess, uh, West Coast and Hawthorne. Yes. In Perth. That, that's... that's yes. That's, and that game won't be on TV. That'll be on Foxtel. And you, and, and you could, and you could be. In fact, those teams could even be playing for first spot. Yeah, that's that's at that point. St Kilda have got Fremantle that weekend in uh, at Etihad. And there is still a derby to go. Yeah, there's still a derby to be played. I don't know what Fremantle's draw looks like. I mean, they might have some. I mean, well, certainly they've, the they've Richmond got the derby game. The week they're, after they're that. No, and you guys have got Geelong at the MCG, and who knows what could happen there, to be honest. I'm praying for an upset, of course. I always do. And uh... I mean, Hawthorne, they could do it, but yeah, you, you really want to be top two this year. You really yeah. want to be top two. You don't want to be fined to Perth two out of the three weeks or two weeks in a row. No. West Coast have got the Bulldogs in round 21. Uh, you guys have got Port Adelaide. At Eddie had, mm. and the Eagles have got someone. I'm sure. Oh, no, the Frio have got somebody else. I'm not sure who. North Melbourne. So that's a bit of a danger game for them there. Frio aren't playing great footy at the moment, though, mate. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on Frio's credentials as a top spot at the moment. It, it matters how you arrive. Yeah. And I think if you're going to have a lull, this is the time to have it because yeah, there's true. still. Six or seven games to turn it around. I wouldn't be too worried about Fremantle. They're really good. Well, they've got Melbourne and, in round twenty-two, um, Freo. Uh, they've in got Perth. Melbourne. Melbourne in Perth in round twenty-two. Oh god, may as well just give them the four points. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried. I think if they were playing like this in six weeks, then you'd be a bit worried. In fact, if they're playing like this in six weeks, they're probably not in the top four. But. Um, this is um, well, yeah. This got... is the time to have your lull and, and and then start to wind up towards the end. I, I reckon. I reckon it's rigged right. here. I just want to say, <laughs> round twenty-two. You guys have got Brisbane in Tasmania. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, West Coast have got Adelaide in uh, Adelaide. No easy, yes. no easy game there. Fremantle have got Melbourne in Perth. Right. Yes. Rigged. That is rigged. You guys have got Carlton to finish off. At some point yes. in, in uh, Fremantle, have got Port Adelaide in Adelaide, and yep. West Coast have got St Kilda in 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 Perth. I reckon this is rigged towards you guys winning top spot. Oh, uh, we'll see. I don't <laughs> we'll know see. about rigged. 
I don't know where it rigged, but usually our draw towards the end is really difficult. Last couple of years we've had really difficult games coming in, so this would be the first time we've. This is almost a Sydney esque draw coming into the end of the season. So, <laughs> yes. But what are you looking forward to the most? Well, I've just realised I was going to sit down and watch this game, and I realised I've been talked into going to a kindergarten trivia night tomorrow night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, shoot me dead. I'm going to have the mobile charge to be checking the scores every 15 minutes. But, um, I'm yeah, I, I'm, Richmond Fremantle's the one I'm looking forward to most. I think that's going to be the best game of the round. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to the glorious upset tomorrow night, and uh, <laughs> it's, I'm turn my Twitter if, off. If Carlton, if Carlton win, how many years contract does John Barker get? Seven, <laughs> eight, nine. <laughs> he'll be he'll become coach for life. Yeah, Alan McAllister style deal, coach <laughs> for life. Yeah, no, I'm not sold on Barker. I'm not. I'm not convinced now that Barker is going to be the man at the end of the year. We we in fact could do Johnny Barker an enormous favour by flogging you pantsless. Well, and yeah. then not getting the job. I just. I mean, he he did okay the first couple of weeks, but the last two weeks is um, I, I wasn't entirely impressed. I, I'm I'm not sure what to make of it though. I don't know what the club. I haven't really figured out what the club's doing at the moment. And we are playing an awful lot of kids, so it's really hard to judge his coaching career based on that. I know apparently we've officially talked to Stuart Jew, and oh. we've officially talked to Simon Lloyd. That's been confirmed by both their clubs. Uh, the paper says that Ben... Uh, not Ben Allen. <laughs> I'd be surprised if we've been talking to Ben Allen. <laughs> no, we've been... Uh, Brendan Bolton. Is apparently yeah. officially a candidate, and he's my choice. Honestly, if I had to choose any of the assistant coaches running around at the moment, I'd, I'd go for Brendan Bolton. I rate well, I rate him really highly, just his enthusiasm and the way he coached last year in particular. Uh, you know, the fact he's come through the Hawthorne system. I, I, I think he's mind you, he got he got handed the keys to a Rolls Royce last year. Well, he did. He did. Uh, I, I made this point. Somebody pointed out on Twitter this week that on in the latter. Six of the top seven team, five of the top seven teams, are coached by former assistants of Alistair Clarkson. Yeah, and one of the other top seven teams is coached by Alistair Clarkson. Yeah, so I mean that's probably a little bit coincidental, I guess, but he's certainly leaving his mark, and um, and that's a good thing, I think. You know, you're playing expand. You know, we talk about fears for the game and styles of game. Well, nobody's playing a more expansive style of game at the moment than Hawthorne, other than, say, the Eagles. Mm. So, good for football. Who, 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 which team in the eight isn't coached by a client's an assistant? Uh, that would be... I'm just trying to think now. Uh, Ross Lyon. Johnny Longmire wasn't coached. Wasn't a client's an assistant? Oh, go on, just repeating the stat off Twitter. I didn't expect me to bloody research it, do you? Was Hardwick your Clarkson assistant? Yes. Really? Yep. No. Uh, Cameron, Hardwick, Simpson. Beverage? Yes. Fair enough. Oh, it's five. Le- five of the seven. Leon Cameron was, was he? Yes. Well, it's... Scott Camparelli? No. Right. 
So, so, so my my terrible stats. <laughs> you just made it up, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. It's like the Wikipedia well, of sources. Was pretty close, though, wasn't I? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> Better than the Kevin Sheedy coaching tree right now, just quietly. F- fair enough. Fair enough. So All right, yeah. look, I think uh, we we're gonna call it a nod on that. Uh, hopefully so, next hopefully next week we'll be back with uh, the rest of the A team to who probably make a little bit more sense than minor messengers old timey ravings. Sure. Uh, <laughs> probably. And uh, we will uh, see you all on the forums where, no doubt, I'll be combating the people from outside Victoria. Indeed. All right. Good night.